Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mod. Welcome, everybody, to College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. We are here with episode five. Um, Going to change it up a little bit and talk a little men's soccer in this uh, episode. We're pretty excited about our, our guests we have coming on here in, in our segment three. But certainly, as uh, we always do, want to bring in our um, co-host, Chris Petroselli, to to get going on on episode five of the podcast. I'm not sure we were going to thought we'd make it episode five, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that we've made it this long and um, that we still have stuff to talk about, you know, because... I don't, between the two of us, like, I don't think we're that bright, you know, so it's not like we got that much in our head, you know what I mean? No, we, and we usually do the same topics over and over and over That's again. That's true. That some people don't probably want to hear that too yeah. much, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. Um, yeah. We had a, uh, a spirited discussion this week. Heated. Heated. Yes. Yeah. Um, concerning uh, the NCA the NCAA rule and uh, how many days you're allowed to practice and things like that. So the rule says you get 132 days where you can be, uh, you can have 20 hours a week of practice. So within those weeks, you get 132 days. And after that, you have to go into eight hours. Um, And you were very convinced that, um, that the rule should be bent um, for specifically for the SEC because they get everything the way they want all the time, right? And uh, we not just the discussion. SEC, but not just the SEC. Well, I'm well, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you you were you were convinced that it that it should be changed for some people, okay? And and as we as we started having this discussion, I thought about it later. We both were just fighting for what was best for our own team in the end. Like that that was the True. it was a very selfish discussion for sure. But I'm gonna give you a chance to make your argument. Um, why that number, 132 days, should be expanded. Um, and then I'll make my argument about why it shouldn't. Okay? Why, why do I got to go first? Why can't I kind of dick what you Because said, that's no, how it I goes. Go you talk, and then I talk, yeah. and now you talk. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so very simple. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, number one. Everything's changed. The idea that we're playing games, but everybody gets a free year back has had, that's a obviously drastic change. So there's all these things that have, have changed this year from the NCAA standpoint, but what, where I think we need extra days. And the reason we need extra days is really because of the way the, the season started. So on August 4th, we came into preseason like we do every year, but this year we had no idea what the year was going to look like. We had no idea if we were going to play games, who was going to play games, what leagues were going to play games. Some leagues by then were already are out, but some leagues were thinking they were going to play. So we went through really the whole month of August. I went back and looked September like 5th, the SEC finally decided they were going to play games shortly after the ACC had decided and the Big 12 had decided. But for all of us players and coaches that were training from August 4th on, we didn't know if we were going to play games, not going to play games. So that quality of what we were doing maybe wasn't the same as it would normally be. So now they have said we're going to have the season where we will have a national championship in the spring. So those of us that have dis- that their leagues have decided to play, and everybody could have played. The leagues were the ones that said they weren't going to play. Um, those leagues could have played just like the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and the Sun Belt and the, some other schools that are playing, have to now play in the spring. And, and we have to continue to the spring. And I understand everybody is allotted 132 games, but I think getting back 12, 14 days, something like that, makes sense because those game those days from August 4th to September 2nd or whatever it was, we really didn't know what we were doing. We were in limbo. Our players were in limbo and we were just training with really no goal of if we were going to have games. So I do think there's, there's going to be a waiver and I think it's fair for the NCAA to allow the teams that played this fall to get a few extra days um, back from the 132. Are you done? I'm done. I fell asleep there for a while and I didn't quite get it. I mean, it kind of went on 
and on and on, like usual, right? Like usual. <laughs> anyway, okay. Here's my very fair points. Uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Fair, fair points. Everything should be changed for the SEC. Again, yes. Not um, true. Not true. In early September, the NCAA announced that they were moving the championship to the to the spring. It was early September when when they made that uh, decision. Um, and at the same time, they said 132 days is 132 days. Everybody's getting 132 days. Okay. Um, How many days? 132. Okay, good. Okay. At that point, everybody had a chance to adjust their schedule. We had to change our schedule, right? We had to decide, okay, we're going to use some of these 132 days in the spring. We're going to use some of them in the fall. How many we were going to use in the fall? Um, the teams that were playing had a chance to adjust their schedules. They continue to adjust their schedules. So it wouldn't have been that hard to adjust their schedule at that time. But they didn't because they said, well, we're going to send in a waiver. Well, you can send in a waiver for anything. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. Uh, but there is a sense among, and I think especially among the SEC, uh, that they boss the NCAA. They tell them how it's going to be. So there is the feeling that, yeah, if we tell them that, um, that we want more days, uh, we're going to get more days. So the argument is, the argument that you have is we want to do whatever we want and uh, we can basically bend the rules and make them. However, my point of point of view is rules are rules. They're the same for everyone. We all should play under the same rules. And what happens is if we now waiver for more days, right? Are they going to deal with 350 waivers? Every school is going to waiver for more days. Uh, and, and what happens to people who can't fit in more days? We end up with inequities and we have some teams that are having more training than others. And, and those are the inequities. So now I said, there'd be no rebuttals okay, in this. Do you want to do rebuttals or, or do you want to move on? Yeah, no, I have a quick rebuttal. First okay. of all, first of all, the sec does not try and bend rules or whatever it was you said. I think the sec is trying to be fair, fair within the, within the guidelines of the rules and understand like it's, there is no competitive equity this year there just isn't in any way you look at it so the idea that these players get to have a few extra days before they prepare to play in the spring to to hopefully prepare to make the NCAA tournament I don't think it's asking too much but again on my point August to September was really a wasted time where normally it would have would have helped it didn't help we weren't we weren't able to prepare for games and I think we should get a few in the front end I'm sorry, in the back end of the spring, front end of the spring to be able to play. But we can move on from that. My, we, we, we agree to disagree, Chris. We did that a lot when we... Uh, I know, and, and like usual, I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Um, we wanted to talk about uh, Katarina Macario, who um, just yes. became eligible to play with for, the, for the U.S. Women's National Team. She's a, uh, I believe she's a junior at Stanford this year. Um, and she's the best player in the country by far. Uh, she's Brazilian born, um, is now getting her citizenship and hoping to play in the Olympics and is going into her first national team camp um, uh, here coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, I wanted to talk about and, and sort of get your opinion and maybe some discussion about where you think she fits in the history of top uh, college players. Yes. So we, we played against Stanford a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament in the second round out at Stanford. So I saw her firsthand. Then I was at the final four last year and, uh, and watched her, you know, kind of sat on the sat behind the, the Stanford bench and she is a pro. Uh, I think she's as good as there is. I can't remember a player of her quality and everything that she can do from, you know, they moved, you know, her first two years, I think she was playing, up front and then he moved her into attacking mid and she's just been fantastic anywhere you put her, you know, obviously I'm not as old as you, Chris, as we've made very clear on this, this show, but I did come into the league uh, back in the early now into the league, into the, uh, in the division one back in the early nineties. So I have gotten to see a lot of great players through, through the years. And it's hard to argue that she is not at the very top of, of all the best players that have ever played college women's soccer. I mean, I think, you know, you, you see and you hear the stories of the Michelle Akers of the worlds and the Mia Hams of the worlds, but I think she's she's up there in, in that quality. Certainly the Anna, Anna, how do I say that? I say her name? Notre Dame player? Melanie Mankinen. Mankinen, yeah. yeah. She's obviously in that group, but uh, I think she's really special. 
Well, first of all, she's a generational talent, right? I mean, she goes across generations and, um, you know, you have to think back like, okay, who let's go back and see, you know, who are players that, you know, you might compare to. Right. And, you know, recently, maybe, maybe Dania at, at Florida state, but I, I think Katarina has, has had more of an impact and, you know, maybe you can go back and through the Carolina list and maybe you get to a Heather O'Reilly, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. But again, I, I, I believe this kid is, is better at that point in her career, right. Better at, at 21 years old. Um, and then, it, you know, yeah. Then you go to a player like Ane who was a fantastic player. And then you start getting into, you know, the Mia Hams and the Christine Lillies and Michelle Akers, you mentioned, and even earlier, April Heinrichs, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, she fits in that conversation with all of them. I will say that uh, she's the best in a long time. You know, yes. uh, I think we, we can all agree on that. She's the best in a long time. The interesting thing will be, you know, where does she end up, right? So we're, we're right. talking about, you know, players that uh, became, you know, global superstars because of their performances on the national team. Um, I think she has the talent to do that, uh, but let's, let's see where she ends up, but it's a good, uh, it's a good discussion and a, and a good topic. And certainly it shows, um, you know, how much respect we have for the kid. The kid is, she's fantastic. She's well, fantastic. And, and it's so good for the U S women's national team to bring her on, finally get the citizenship worked out and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'll say this. She's super fast. We, we've had really fast players in the NCAA right over the last, certainly, you know, 20 years. We've had players that are really good with the ball. We've had goal scores. She is all of it. Set pieces. I, I mean, she can do it all, uh, which is really, really impressive. Just a phenomenal player, phenomenal athlete, and excited she's with the U.S., that's that's for sure. And, and um, you know, looking forward to going into camp. I'm sure she's going to have a great camp, and hopefully this is the start of something special. All right. Um, we ready to move on? Yeah, let's let's bring, bring him, him in. Bring him, bring him in. Bring him big in. deal. <laughs> All right, the uh, the big deal with uh, segment two with again our too many minutes with Brian Lee. Uh, he has told us today he's going to keep it short, and I think there's no chance. Brian, as we bring you in real quick, we want to comment on uh, Katrina Macario. Of course, well, guys. well, of course I do. But I really, I of course I want to comment on both things you said in the in the <laughs> first part there about the 132 days. I, I think I heard Matt say uh, the SEC does not bend the rules. What SEC but in for the that. last 50 years? <laughs> the, uh, there's there's a long history way outside of soccer. There's some rule bending. We're on. talking yeah. about women's <laughs> soccer. We don't break uh, rules. Okay. If we're just going women's soccer, there's Tuesday nights in Dallas at practices to worry about. But that's a whole nother. That's a full podcast itself, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, and, yeah, I mean, she's just a special talent. And thank goodness we got her playing for the United States. We've done great uh, as a country. And for Vladko to get this handed to him at a time when we really need a special, special world-class player to come into the fold as some other kids are getting older, it's fantastic for the country. It's awesome. You know that the kids, Brian, I call them women. Women. (laughs) Hey, they're all kids compared to us. Alex Morgan is a kid. Hey, I wanted to make sure we we pointed out that uh, the Brian Lee episode still leads in the number of uh, uh, downloads, it is it is amazing, and we're we're now up to ten countries as we just added England, which I think maybe Brian had something to do with. Right? Probably um, Lucy Parker, sir. Thirty-five states uh, just added uh, Washington D.C., um, but the Brian Lee episode continues to dominate, which is quite shocking. Yeah, college, really shocking. college Soccer Nation, get it on any of your podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, and stuff, and give us a five star rating if you like it. Or give us a one-star rating if you hate it. And I wish you could do it by segments because I feel like Brian's segment might take a little bit of a hit there. But anyway, please, five <laughs> stars would really help us. But let's go, Chris. Let's go. All right. Let's talk about the games. And uh, and, and what I want to do is want to talk about, um, really, again, we'll focus on the three leagues. And um, we'll talk about teams that are at the top of the league. And I, and I want to take a look at maybe some teams at the bottom of the league that uh, haven't quite got on the board yet. So let's, uh, like we have in the past, we'll start in the – in the, in the big 12 and, um, you know, the, the, uh, I don't know, the best game was, was the TCU, TCU and, and OSU, um, which, 
was uh, a comeback by TCU and scored late and, and then won in overtime. And they've put themselves in a, in a good spot at the moment. Yeah, the, the, that, that league started to have some separation. Uh, and I thought this weekend was really big weekend, not just in that game. Could Texas Tech, the preseason favorite, get a win over West Virginia at home? That would have thrown them back into the race, but that didn't happen either. And, and I think we've, we've both been on TCU for a while now. And, you know, for me, they might be the favorite. I had a good look at West Virginia this weekend, though, and, and I thought they were excellent as well. I, but I think those two have separated themselves at the top. Yeah, and then and then you know we talked about it at the bottom a little bit, and you know Kansas State is has yet to get a win. And um, here's the thing with with Kansas State: um, I don't blame the coach, I don't blame the players, um, I blame their administration. They gave Kansas a 15 year head start, right? And you give anybody a 15 year head start, and it's going to be hard to come back. And and basically, they gave the whole league a 15 year head start, and so now they're trying to to develop some tradition and recruit and all that kind of stuff in a league that's really established with established teams. And, you know, that's not the, the, the fault of the coach or the players or anything like that. Their administrative administration waited and waited and waited. They, in the, in the beginning, they decided they wanted equestrian as opposed to soccer. And I hope the horses are stu- still doing well, but it certainly hasn't helped their team. And the timing couldn't have been any worse with their program got added right when the early recruiting was hot and heavy. So now you're adding a program where you can't bring in a player who's really going to make a difference for three years. And back when we were all starting programs, you could sell playing time to a senior and boom, here you go. And being so late to the game, um, that that's just a really, really tough job. That's a seven, eight, 10 year project. For sure. Uh, into the uh, ACC, not many games in the ACC. They didn't have regular conference play, and the big game was uh, North Carolina and Virginia, which which got canceled because of some COVID issues. Um, so, but we did have Duke and Virginia Tech and Clemson and Wake. Uh, Pitt had two games um, with Boston College and Navy, and everything sort of went went according to plan. You know, Duke won, Clemson won, uh, Pitt won their two games. Um, and we're still looking at, at North Carolina and, and Florida State on the top of that, on the top of that league, and 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 then the bottom of that league is um, is a, it's it's interesting because you get you know Miami, Syracuse, and Boston College a combined zero uh, and eleven. Um, good thing is they play each other, and and they'll have chances <laughs> for some wins. Um, and and you know what's interesting interesting to me is especially in the Miami and the, the Syracuse case got two pretty talented coaches experienced um who've shown that they can win who've shown that they know what they're doing it's just really tough in that league to rebuild and they're finding that out well and it's a bad timing again with the covid season going all conference play really just crushes the hopes of those two three teams rebuilding in that league this isn't you know, in in the Big 12 and in the SEC, when you're playing the top teams, you could have a great night. You could bunker in. You could come up with a plan. Your kids could be dedicated, and you might squeeze a result off certainly the middle teams, but even the top teams. The, the, those guys aren't doing that at this point in their program growth against Carolina, against probably Virginia. Certainly no one breaks down a bunker better than Florida State. It, so they're going into this, this season – realistically knowing we got two shots to win, you know, maybe three, that that's a tough, tough COVID reality for the teams at the bottom of the league. And, you know, when they play each other, someone's got to take advantage. And the worst thing can happen is end up in a draw, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say this because I hate giving him credit, but Brian did say to me, um, you know, a few weeks ago is, what people are forgetting in not just not just soccer, but in certainly in, in football as well is it's different when it's le- only league play, right? And, and again, we're getting eight games or ten games. It's really really hard, and not having any games, exhibition games, or any build up games is is really difficult for these teams. So now, top, put on top of that, trying to build a program. Um, you're really asking it's uphill battle for those guys. So it, it's hard. I feel for them for sure. Um, but it's really all of us that are trying to play, 
you know, straight league games. You know, you get on a roll, it's all of a sudden eight games and you're over, right? I mean, you got teams that are 4-0 and and doing pretty well, but then you got other guys that, that haven't won yet, and, and you start looking at it, and it looks daunting at, at this point, for sure. Well, and it's, it's daunting. It's more daunting. It's numerically impossible. When mm-hmm. Women's soccer is built on powerhouses in each of the leagues. So, you know, if the Big Ten was playing, Penn State probably wins at a 90% clip. Uh, in the ACC, Carolina goes 21 and two most years. Florida State goes 18 and one. Virginia goes 17 and three. All of those wins are automatic. That the math doesn't add up for everybody else to have winning seasons. So if Clemson has a great season, they go five, four, and one in the league mm-hmm. in a regular year, and then you can top it off with five non-conference wins, and they can feel pretty good about ten and six and going to the NCAA's. But all of that's gone with the conference only. And before we start, because of the dominance in each of the league of, of, of the elite programs, and it's 20 years of dominance, uh, it's just a really tough situation. And I think, you know, a month ago, everybody's celebrating playing. It's really hard for those kids and those coaches when you're staring at 0-5 or 1-6. That's a brutal, brutal way to come to practice. Yeah, certainly the, the question I think you'd ask right now is, you know, you know, a month or so ago, you wanted to play. You still, you know, do you still feel like that was the right decision, right? You might look back on it now and go, man, maybe that wasn't such a good idea, you know? The, the three, te- the three oh, I should say, Brian, the three tests a week is, is difficult. It really is. It's, it's draining. Tests. Yeah, the COVID test, sorry. Yeah. yeah, three tests a week is, is difficult. And it'll be, it'd be really interesting to me, is that going to continue on into the end of the spring? Um, will we still be doing that in the spring? I, I hope not because it's miserable. I mean, we yeah. tested yesterday. We tested yesterday. Got, or we tested Thursday. Got results yesterday. We tested again this morning. And now we'll we will. Um, I'll wake up at four or five in the morning, waiting for my trainer to text me that we're all negative. Then we can get on the bus and go to Auburn. But we can't get on the bus and can't really think about the going to Auburn until we get the test results back. So, it's really it's a difficult situation for for all of us and and the kids too, for for sure. Okay, let's move into uh, the SEC. The big game was Florida and A&M. They played, all, you know, all day today were SEC games. They were, you know, all over all over uh, the SEC network and, and ESPNU. And um, we, I think we all sat there watching and, and uh, the games were all close. Every game was a overtime or a one-goal game. I don't think there was any game that was that was more than a one-goal game. Uh, but, but A&M and Florida was, uh, for me, was the big game. And, um and it was better. Plain and simple. And it was a better team. They deserved a win. They won two to one. They probably should have scored four or five. Uh, Florida made a late push, um, and and you know looked better in the second half. Changed their system and and looked better in the second half. But uh, but for me, A and M A and M were the better team, and the, and they deserved to win the game. Yeah, I, I thought that's probably the best performance against one of the top end teams. And A and M's had two of the best performances. Uh, arguably the two best performances in the SEC in the opener against Ole Miss. And then today against Florida, I thought they looked fantastic and, and looked as good as anyone that league has looked. And to be honest, in the middle game, they played Arkansas, and there's nobody better in the country at making you not look your best than Arkansas. So uh, as things progress, uh, A&M certainly laid out that they'll be a, a title challenger, whether they can catch Arkansas in the West or not. But certainly by the time the, the tournament rolls around, I thought they looked very good. And Arkansas 4-0 now after an overtime win uh, against Alabama in a game that uh, wasn't pretty, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, it was physical and scrappy and kind of fluky goals and and all that kind of stuff. But um Sticking in the West, um, and, and again, yes, you're right. Uh, A&M is, is sort of waiting for Arkansas to to screw up, but uh, Arkansas has has a real has real good control of that uh, at this point. And then again, on the bottom end, uh, LSU um, winless uh, and a difficult schedule left, and uh, another new coach trying to rebuild and trying trying to adjust to you know coming out of out of out of. Uh, Division two, I believe, trying to adjust to a different level. Um, you know, it's it's been a little bit difficult for them. Yeah, and you know, and and it's been a rough. I thought today was a rough break. I thought they played great. They were missing a couple kids, a couple regulars, and you know, maybe they caught stayed at a good time, coming off uh, still celebrating their big win last week. But how many I times thought, have we uh, seen that picture with uh, of uh, them with the trophy? 
with the I, I know a lot about the Magnolia Cup now. You know, I follow those guys <laughs> on social media. But, you know, I'm happy for James. Great coach, good person um, to be seeing this kind of early season success. They're unbeaten through four. But I thought for large portions of the game today, uh, LSU were probably the better team. And, and uh, But Mississippi State's got this little winning character going. And once LSU drew even 1-1, one, one, uh, like they've done – multiple times this season, came back late in the game, got the goal, and then and then sealed it out in typical SEC fashion. You're always going to get the barrage of chances and just sit in, sit in front of your box and defend it away and did a good job with it. But I felt a little for LSU today. I, th- I thought they, they really deserved three points there, but didn't and, get them. And needed, and need, again, because the schedule coming up is, is difficult. Um, over in the East, oh, yeah. South Carolina with the, with the overtime win against Vanderbilt. It pushes them in front of uh, Georgia, uh, who tied Kentucky. So good for Kentucky, you know, to to get that point um, in a in a little bit of a surprise. But to me, the biggest surprise on 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 the East is Vanderbilt at one and three. That as I watched them today, that's a pretty talented team, and um, somehow you know they're not getting the results. Well, it's so hard for us knowing the whys. Normally, we know you know Hopkins, their forwards in and out of the game, so. Normally, we would know a little more specifically what our injury status is or, you know, they could have kids coming back, you know, from from not training for two weeks with COVID breaks. Uh, but they, they, they're not playing anywhere near to their potential. And I'm sure Darren would be the first one to say it because that, that's a very talented roster. And they brought in some, some new kids uh, that are very good as well. Uh, but they're underachieving a little bit for them. And then on the East, I can't figure out how that's going to shake out. Georgia dropped the points today at Kentucky to go to 2 and 2 South Carolina, very typically 3-1. and You know, they can put you to sleep when, you're, when they're up 1-0, whether you're a fan or, more importantly, the other team. And next thing you know, the game's ended. And they've won again. So maybe they've got the inside inside bit on it. Uh, but to be honest, one of the teams that's excited me, and I don't know about you, is Missouri. I'm, uh, you know, I, they've been better than expected and competitive in every game and got a big win and uh, excited to see. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think the, um, the, the sort of the, some of the traditional powers are still pretty good, but maybe not as good. Florida would be one for me and South Carolina is another one for me. I mean, certainly those are, those are good teams, but um, you know, maybe not as good as, uh, as they've been, some other years and that does open it up for, for some different teams, somebody like Georgia, you know, to, to jump in there and, you know, they're, they're much improved and, um, you know, gives them a shot and, and it makes the league really close. If you look up and down the league, it is, it is really close. I think, you know, overall you'd say, I don't know if there, you know, are really any great teams, but I don't know if they're really any bad teams either, you know, so that, that league is, uh, is up for grabs. Well, I think one of the key factors in the SEC that makes them a little different is that parity is there. The top end it doesn't have a huge separation. And then probably the weakness of the league, and it was really exposed today, is the goalkeeping. So, you know, you, you, we always talk about luck factor and, you know, just getting a little bit fortunate and whether how you consider a goalkeeping gaffe. Is that luck for you or not? When the ball goes in, it's still they're a player. Um, but that that's to me is also creating these score lines. We'll have a team kind of have the run of the game cruising right along. And then, you know, a corner kick goes straight in or, you know, goalkeeper redirects it in, redirects across in. Um, so yeah, the SEC is going to be exciting. I'll tell you yeah. that. And there is nothing better. The best part of college soccer for me is 10 minutes to go in an SEC game when it's one nil and the other teams, I got them on their heels. Not, it's not, not the best. It's not the best time for me, <laughs> well, or any of the, any of the other coaches. Yeah, well, again, especially because of the goalkeeping, right? Because any anything can happen, and we saw some less than stellar goalkeeping today uh, through throughout the league, for sure. Yeah, it's a um, tough way to take a result, for sure. Well, I think that's it, Matt. I think we're, I think we're good. I just right, got to know from. Thing. Oh, go right, ahead, Jess Brand. Please, no, right, please, right, please, please, by no, all means, I no. I have Your one show. Last thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. One last thing is I got a new predicted leader in the downloads. Maybe give it three, four days. Kevin is going to take this thing by <laughs> uh, storm. That is when, when you're back on next week, 
you will say you and with great pleasure i'm gonna note you will you're say yield. brian you've been you're, overtaken you're gonna yield to kevin well <laughs> let me tell you what um it won't be hard to overtake the picker Come on, the picker. No, man, the picker's killing us. He's killing us. He's killing us. You know, he's not doing the self promotion that you do, Brian. So I think yeah, that's part of the problem. Sure. I, I did just get a note from our producer. We're oh well over fifteen minutes here. Oh, right. oh no, too many no, minutes no. with Brian Lee. Yes, Chris, yes. Chris banged on. All right, boys. See ya. Enjoy. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Watch see ya. The Rays. Thirty. Yeah. Oh, oh, All right, let's move on, Chris. It's uh, with great pleasure I get to introduce our. Next guest, Kevin Hudson, the head coach at SMU. Um, he's been there 13 years. The last six years, I believe, as a head coach. Has had great success, 66-22, and 22, I think, is his record. And, you know, a trip to the lead eight last year and just missed heading to the Final Four. But certainly uh, he's doing a great job with that program. SMU men have been been really good for a long time and Kevin is just another long line of great coaches in there. And I think uh, we're very, very honored, very lucky to have him Join us, excited to talk to him. So uh, I think, Kevin, as we bring you in, my first question I have for you, if, if you wouldn't mind giving us just a, an update on where college men's soccer is, who's playing, who's, uh, who's you know, kind of what, what the status is with, with kind of uh, NCAA Division One men's soccer. Sure. Well, um, first off, thanks for having me. Um, thrilled to be a part of the uh, – the hottest podcast in college soccer. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to, to be on. It's nice when the guy who works uh, 10 feet from you finally invites you to be on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, division one soccer on, on the men's side, a bit different than the women's side being that, you know, we only got 19 teams playing right now. So um, those 19 teams, majority of those are, are the ACC. Um, you know, the Sun Belt's got four teams playing and then a handful or less than a handful from Conference USA. So, um, you know, we feel a bit uh, a bit left out, but, you know, nine of 206 or whatever it is on the men's side, you know, you're at less than 10% of the teams playing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been kind of interesting, you know, when you, when you look up the scores and you, and you try to follow it, there's, you know, one game a night or four games on a big night and it doesn't quite have the same buzz as it normally does. And maybe that's a factor of me not being a part of it right now, but um, the usual suspects have been good in the ACC. Um, You know, UNC, Wake, Virginia, those kind of lead the lot right now. A couple surprises. Um, Pitt's three and O Pitt's put together a, a good team and, um, you know, Jay and Bahanik do, do a really good job there. And, you know, they've really, you know, taken that program to, to a new level. Um, and probably the biggest surprise is Georgia State. Georgia State's 5-1. and one. Um, They were 5-0, and oh, and they dropped a result this, this weekend. But, you know, they've had a really good start. So, you know, yeah. uh, with 19 so teams playing, that's about it. So, pardon my ignorance, let me ask you a quick question. Jay uh, at Pittsburgh went from Wake Forest to the pros? Yeah, he went where, where to, he uh, put him on the spot. He went to uh, T2, went to Portland. Um, okay. Took the USL job when Caleb yeah. Porter was the head coach. I think gotcha. that lasted about a year, maybe. Um, and then he found his way back to Pitt. Okay. Good I coach. mean, Pitt, you look at yeah. Pitt, I mean, hired two – Two big name coaches, that's for sure, in the men's and the women's. But yeah, sorry, Chris. Playing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, first, uh, I want to say um, say this, Matt. I bet you didn't know this uh, about Kevin. This guy, this first of all, this guy is a fantastic coach. Um, he's obviously done very well. I did, I did know that, you. Chris. Yeah. I well, I didn't get to the point that you don't <laughs> okay. know that. Okay. okay. Give me a chance. All right. <laughs> um, this is the part that you didn't know. This guy is so smart. He got his master's degree from the University of Notre Dame in a summer, in like two months, right? Matt, how long did it take you to get your bachelor's degree? <laughs> a little more than a summer. <laughs> a little more than a summer, right? That, wow, so, really? Yes. What was, the, what was the program? 
Uh, he's giving me too much credit. The Kevin Hudson special. Two summers. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> two summers. Two summers. Two summers. Still impressive. Very impressive. Not surprising, but impressive. Um, no, so in accounting, right? So anytime anybody like sends a spreadsheet with something on it, he's like, oh, this is the worst spreadsheet ever. Like, you know, because he knows everything about spreadsheets and everything about numbers. And, you know, he's like, this number's wrong and that number's wrong and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I use my, my CPA about two times a year doing my taxes and doing the budget at SMU. So would you mind doing my taxes? Can I send you my taxes, Kevin? No, actually I pay somebody to do my taxes at this point. I review it when they come back. There it is. There it is. There it is. So uh, Kevin, why don't you um, tell, tell us a little bit about um, how this, the pandemic has affected like your team and other teams. I know, you, you know, there are issues with, you know, with players, you know, going pro and opting out, all this kind of stuff going on. Like, eh, wh- what's going on? How's that affecting it, you know, more on the men's side? Sure. I mean, it's – listen, it's been a challenge for everybody, right? Like, there, there's no coach in the country or player in the country that says this has been easy. So, um, we're no different than any team that, you know, we've had our, our ups and downs through this, uh, through this battle and had our fair share of, um, you know – battles with uh with covid and, and all that but um yeah on, on the men's side you know listening to you guys talk earlier about the women's side and you know having world-class players within the women's game it's it's a bit different on the men's side in that you know we're dealing with as soon as our guys are, are ready to be professionals um they're typically moving on so um you know we've had uh you know, we were all college teams, and I think women's and men's are relatively similar in this, in that you're built to win in the fall. You know, you do everything you can to build your team and set your team up with graduation um, in order to maximize your potential for a fall season, and, and we're no different. You know, we have six guys graduating in December, um, you know, two of which have taken opportunities in USL. Uh, while we just continue to train, they can get – high level training and, and, and sign professional contracts at the USL level while remaining, while remaining MLS eligible for the draft. Um, you got a couple guys who will stay and play their senior year or senior year and beyond at SMU. Other guys who are graduating in December and they're going to go other places and, and look at other opportunities and, you know, other guys who are just going to be done, you know, so it is unique. And I think everybody is, is battling that. And, you know, the hardest part, as a coach and as a, and for the student athletes is, you know, everything you have prepared for and you think your team's in a position where you can really try to make a good run at it. Um, you know, you'll never know what that team could have been, you know, and, and you always going to think about, you know, the best we could be, but you know, you don't know what that team could have been. And listen, the, the team could have been 500 or it could have been 18 and two, you know? So, uh, we'll never know. And that's, uh, that's a challenge we're in and that's, that's life at the moment. So, you know, you deal with it, you move on, you, you, you put together the, the best roster you can to be prepared for the spring. Um, and you know, we'll, uh, we'll get cracking at it when, uh, when January rolls around. I got a quick question for you, Kevin. So, um, a high-level team. I know you guys were as high as third last year. So high-level team, let's say the top 10 or top 12 team. How many of those starting 11 players on the men's side are pros, are, are going to be pros? In other words, are going to get drafted or they're going to go USL, they're going to go overseas. How, how many of that starting 11 are legitimate pro prospects? Yeah, I mean, the question is always like, how many guys can sign pro contracts and how many guys will? You know, mm-hmm. and there's certain guys, especially at a place like SMU that, you know, those guys are looking at, you know, you know, jobs through, you know, engineering or the business school that they're going to be leaving, making 80 to a hundred thousand dollars plus. And they get to that point and they're like, I can go play for, you know, in USL for 1500 bucks a month and, you know, an apartment in free Chipotle. And they say, oh, I'd rather go into, into the business world or whatnot. Sure. So I would say, you know, guys who could end up on an, M- an MLS or USL roster, more likely than not at this point, it's USL rosters because making it into MLS as a college guy right now, you're looking maybe the top 20 guys a year in college soccer are really making that next jump to MLS. Um, I would say off our roster last year, I would say eight guys can play at the uh, at a professional level, maybe more. Um 
but eight of the 11 could eight of the first 11 can, can make it in, uh, in USL or MLS. So, and I would say it's probably the same out of everybody who was in the, the elite eight. Yeah. 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 You should, uh, these guys are, uh, they're good, Matt. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. the quality of players that, that are playing on Kevin's team. Uh, first of all, they're fun to watch. Um, and there's always one or two that are really special, you know, really special. And, 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 you know, whether they become really special pros, I, I don't know. Right. But for as college players, there's always one or two that are, you know, as good or better than anybody in the country. And they're, they're fun to watch, right? Really enjoyable to watch. Uh, they play good soccer. Um, it's great for, you know, for my team um, because they're around more soccer players. More of the time, they're, they see more soccer. They, they go to every game. They watch every game. They, they get to see it, you know, on a, on a high level and, and maybe even, you know, try some things that they're, they're seeing these guys do. So um, it's really a, it's a big benefit to have a, a quality men's team around. And, you know, I've been at places where I didn't have it and at places where I have have uh, where I have had it. Uh, and I can tell you, it's really enjoyable to have, and it's even better when you have um, a good working re- uh, relationship with the coaches. And we're fortunate that, you know, with, with Kevin's staff and our staff, we, we get along quite well. Um, it's kind of goofy and stupid at times, but um, it's certainly a, a good a good working relationship. <laughs> so, so Kevin, listen, let me just say this: you live in Dallas, right? SMU is in the middle of Dallas, in the heart of Dallas. You have all these pro sports. You have the Cowboys. You have the the uh, the Rangers. You have the Stars. You have FC Dallas. You have all these great talented people that work um, calling games and all the, the football high school games. All, all of these great towns. And the only person you get to call your color games is Chris. I mean, there's got to be somebody else out there better. Well, he comes cheap. He comes cheap. You know, uh, know, (laughs) we we don't pay him, which is great. Um, In in all honesty, he's actually really good at it. There was a game last year where you had a kid do a full bike, I think it was. A full bike. And I'm watching the game, and Chris is like, you got to see this goal. So I pull it up on on, um, YouTube or whatever, and I see the goal. And Chris's call is... What a goal! What a goal! What a goal! <laughs> maybe, like, can you explain it a little bit? This couldn't be worse. You it saw it. You saw it. Why did I have to explain it? <laughs> Sometimes the action doesn't need words. Like it, that's right. Oh, this that's one, right. right. This one. This one. No, wait, there is no action that doesn't need words for Matt, though. I mean, words are so, always around true. for Matt. So <laughs> I got another question. We we had one a, a couple years ago that a, a player scored, and it was a game that we had in control, and a guy scored from. 30 yards out. And all Chris did was laugh. That was kind of funny. <laughs> that That's what I'm talking about. You have all these pros around and you bring Chris. But listen, let's, let me ask you this, Kevin. So obviously I spell, I shared a, a office suite with him, similar to what you guys did when I was at Texas, right? And we had a director of ops named Luke Nelson, who was a younger guy. And Chris knew how to push his buttons and push my buttons. So he would get us arguing just for Chris's entertainment. So we used to call it the Kings ringing the little jester bell, right? Ring the little bell and we'd come running and we'd entertain him because he would just, you know, we talked about, you know, Oklahoma as being one of the bottom five states and Luke was from Oklahoma and hated that. Or, you know, we talked about the Brewers, whatever the topic, but does he still do that? Does he still ring the bell and you guys come dancing in, into the office to entertain him? Because that's all not, he wants. Not so much me, but um, he has a GA who is, who is wonderful at that. Um, he was <laughs> entertainment within yes. the whole office being, uh, being Noah Murphy. Um, so mm. What one thing Chris does really well it was really important for the men's team was hire a good GA that makes me laugh. All yes, right? I hope he uh, does yeah. work. He really makes me laugh, and I enjoy having him around. So we're going to have to find another one that can do the same so when he graduates. I got you. But, you uh, should see these guys, Matt, in in the office. Like you know, as we hit this pandemic and we're in the office and we don't have any games and we don't really have a lot to do. Right. So we're, we're trying to keep ourselves busy and, and that sort of thing. And one day I'm sitting in the office and a soccer ball rolls into the office and they come walking in and I'm finding out that, uh, you know, my office was the second hole on the soccer golf course mm, that they were nice. playing, you know, with the, within the whole suite. So yeah. these, this is the kind of ridiculous stuff that we're, we're facing. <laughs> we, we have been known to play. I, 
I am the uh, Rory, Ma- Rory McElroy of Office oh. Argo. So, oh, wow. so I've I known to be the best. I can be a little inconsistent at times, but um, yeah, I, we try to keep it within the office suite because uh, mm-hmm. Noah likes to make it down the stairs and through the hall. So we like to keep it relatively calm and sweet. You only get about three to five holes, and then we got we to gotta cut it off before we embarrass ourselves. Or, now, hold on. Is Matt Cosgriff playing soccer golf? Matt's too serious. He's down, in, he's down in the gym, isn't he? He's down in the gym yeah. pumping iron. He's yeah, down doing push You guys are playing soccer golf. He's doing, yeah, he's doing, he's doing push-ups in his office. I, I get it. No, no it's, it's mainly me, um, the GA from their team, um, and then their new uh, assistant, Aubrey, can, is yeah. – is the best soccer player on their staff, better than mm-hmm. Noah and better than Matt. Um, yeah. you know, and then my assistant hops in as well. So, yeah, we got we got a nice foursome, so it's pretty good. Yeah, Chris has you probably don't know the story, but Chris, you know, you know, obviously Matt Cosgrove. So when we were at ODP together, I was there and Matt was there, and the 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 ladies, the older ladies that worked the front desk, called Matt Hot Matt and me just Matt. So that's how they went between us, Hot Matt and just Matt. You guys I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was just even just Matt. It might have been there. Might have been a word in front of that, but it was Hot Matt and Matt. So not surprising. Um, well, good, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bench press the same. I, I hope. I hope this is not what he looks like when he's 50. But anyway, I digress. Let's uh, let's go on, Kevin. Uh, give us a couple minutes, please, on just SMU and, and your program, and kind of give us an overview on. On SMU, you know, obviously Chris and I are both very, very impressed with what you've done and continue to do, and and uh, we wish you the best. But you could take a few minutes and talk about SMU. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I feel very blessed to, to be able to coach at my alma mater um, in Dallas at, at a wonderful institution. So I am one of the lucky ones in, in college soccer. Um, you know, so we feel very fortunate with – I mean, the program has a rich history well beyond my time at SMU. So, I mean, there's 32 NCAA tournaments and 13 Elite Eights, and the, the history is really strong. So I feel fortunate to be the steward of the program at the moment. Um, you know, but ultimately, we are trying to prepare these young men for whatever is next after SMU, you know, a degree, and then whatever that opportunity that that they want, we want to prepare them for. So, um, for most of our guys, it's, you know, the, the opportunity to play professionally is, is right at their, uh, their fingertips, but ultimately it's a degree and then, you know, choose, do I go into X or do I try to be a professional for some time, you know? So, um, you know, we feel that SMU is one of the few, um, different than the women's side a bit that, you know, we're one of the few that can offer elite soccer and elite education. You know, there's only a handful of those in men's college soccer and we feel, fortunate and a little bit, uh, you know, it puts us in a really good recruiting position that, um, you know, we have, we have both and we can attract top students and, and top players as well. So, um, you know, I've, I've been the coach for five seasons, so um, feel good about what we've done in, in that time. Um, you know, we've won six titles. We've, as you said, been to the elite eight this year. We were in the sweet 16, two other times, been, been to the tournament four times, one, you know, won the league or the league tournament, you know, four of those five years. So, you know, we, we feel good about what we're doing, but ultimately for us, it's, um, you know, what makes it a special place is really the relationships that we can kind of bring out within the team structure, you know, and as cheesy or cliche as that is like the quality of our team is built on people. And, um, you know, a lot of that is done in the recruiting process. And then how do we push these guys forward? So, um, relationships built on, you know, meaningful relationships built on trust and communication is where it all starts. And um, it's one of the things we feel most special about is if you get the relationships right um, and the trust is right and the communication's right, it develops this winning mentality and this like relentless pursuit of excellence. And, um, you know, you see teams that are, that are good can be great, you know, and you can see great teams that can, that can win everything, you know? So, um, we feel really good about it and that, that mentality and that commitment to the program and um, hopefully keep putting out, uh, out, you know, really good soccer players and, and graduates and, and great people. So um, we're, we're at a good spot and we want to keep it going. But uh, I think I would go with, it would go without saying that, you know, we're also fortunate that as Chris said, we have a, 
a women's team as well. That's, you know, that, that is competing at, at a really high level. And, um, that, you know, relationship between the two teams, um, you know, is, is mutually beneficial in that the working relationship strong, the, the understanding and the commitment to, you know, help each other and help each other's programs grow has been, has been really good. And, and I, I don't, it's not lost on me that, you know, it's a, uh, a, a unique situation that I got an old guy like Chris to learn from, you know, it helps us, uh, helps me as a coach and helps our program. It, it, it is on a daily or weekly basis when I go, Hey coach, what do you think about this? You know, and, and I can get some advice and, um, you know, it's, it's very good for me and our program. Well, that's certainly very nice. And, and, you know, I would be lost if I didn't say I did call him quite often and say, Hey, what are you doing in practice today? And if, if he wasn't doing what I was trying to do, I'd say, well, what if you were going to do this? What would you do? <laughs> so anyway, it's true. Uh, it's true. Change, the co- change your color guy. And I think you got it nailed, Kevin, but oh, very, very good. That was very good. I thought, Impressive, Kevin. Impressive. Yes. yes. Thank you. All right. Well, Kevin, uh, we appreciate you coming on college soccer nation. Tell all your friends, please tweet it. Tell them to leave us five stars if they can. But um, first, first men's coach, Chris, it's going to be hard to beat this guy. Well, I won't, yes, I won't awesome. be uh, number one downloaded. I'll yeah, tell, it's, I'll tell all my relatives. All right. We're going to work on that. We, we got to work on will listen. All right? Yes. Tell your mom to dig into the podcast. So, yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> all right, Kevin. Thanks so much right, for joining Kevin. us. Appreciate it, guys. See you in the morning. Good night. See you. He's impressive, huh, Matt? Oh, that was good, man. That was that yeah. was that was that was right up there. Certainly uh, better than a, a few that we had. I think Mark's was really good, <laughs> but the other two, anyway, no, really, really good. Um, uh, not surprising, they're doing well. Not, yeah, not surprising. Yeah. I mean, again, what a great out. team and, and yeah, and a great guy. And they are fun to watch. Like again, I I, I watched because you were doing the color commentary, so I know something to bust on you about in the you know in the past before the podcast but uh watching their team is really fun i was following them all through the the playoff run last year and really disappointed they didn't get that you know penalty kicks right was the was the they lost some penalty kicks didn't they in the in the lead uh, eight game didn't they i'm almost sure they did they might have yeah, i don't know but anyway good 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 team all right let's go uh, set up the big games for next week chris yeah, uh, in the uh, ACC, I think that this is probably the, the best game of the week. Uh, Florida State and Virginia, you got great yeah, history yeah. there. I mean, there's some some years where they played each other three times, four times, you know, playing um, playing uh, uh, in the, N- uh, the NCAA tournament, you know, conference tournament, sure. that kind of thing. So that's always a, a great game. And uh, we'll see if, you know, if Virginia gets those injured players back, I think I think you know they become a good players without them. I think it'll be hard against against Florida State, uh, South Carolina, and Arkansas. Um, yeah, I think a good game. You know, mm-hmm. um, Arkansas is on a roll. Uh, yeah. South Carolina is capable of shutting anybody out, so I think that's a good one to watch. And yeah, and Oklahoma State and Kansas are, are two teams that are trying to stay near the top of the league. And don't forget, um, you know, there are NCAA bids out there. And and these are the kind of games that you know you need to win if if you yeah, get absolutely. one. There aren't a lot of them, right? They're, yep. they're less. So, you know, I think those are probably the three for me, the three games that that stand out the most. Uh, producer says SMU men lost three two in overtime against Virginia. There you go. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I think really good. I think I'm pretty sure Virginia knocked Florida State out of the conference tournament last year too. So. A little bit of revenge maybe on tap tonight. Who knows? Or this week. Um, yeah, and, and I'm with you on those OSU-Kansas games. Um, and, and all these games in the fall count. So uh, they're very important that you're if you're trying to get, again, only one of 17 um, you know, at-large bids, uh, all these games count. I totally agree with you. All right, let's move on to the highlight of, uh, of most shows, the, the Power Five. Uh, today's topic is Power Five Desserts. Now, to me, unlike, again, I mean, just clarify from last week with the, with the fast foods, I looked at it as places that I actually eat. Uh, with you being <laughs> McDonald's number one, I'd like to know how often you're at McDonald's. There's no, there's no way. Um, I so can't tell you the last little, time I've been. I told you. Exactly. probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I eat I these. Uh, these I eat. I, these <laughs> okay, desserts, I've all, I've all eaten, uh, eaten these desserts. Okay, good. So, um, let's go ahead. Uh, me first, you first. What do you want to do? Uh, I'll go first. 
right. Number five. Number five, chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, it's on my list. On my okay. list, Chris. Good it's, a, it's, a, it's a good one. Everybody likes them nice and warm. The only one who doesn't like chocolate chip cookies, believe it or not, is my daughter, who doesn't like chocolate. I don't. She's the only uh, person I know who uh, doesn't like yeah. chocolate. But Well, you can see um, where that would be a problem if she, she wouldn't yeah, like chocolate chip cookies. All right, my number one, and this is my uh, June 30th every year. That is what, Chris? Your, uh, that's my wife's birthday. No, and, and who else's birthday is it? <laughs> that is your birthday. Yes, as well. my birthday. This is so your number my, five, not your number one. Number five. Right? That's okay. right. Number okay. five. So every birthday, white cake, multi-layer with chocolate frosting. Chocolate What's it called? Multi-layer. White cake. White cake. White cake, multi-layer. So a couple different levels with chocolate frosting in between. Chocolate frosting on top. So like a like a yellow cake? Or no, white. White. White cake. White cake. Like vanilla kind of cake. Okay. You never had white cake? I don't Never know. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Never heard of a wedding? Never heard of a wedding? Okay. It's like wedding cake? No. It's you put not. wedding cake as your number five? No, white cake. All, All right. right. Number sure. four. Banana pudding. Ooh. Ooh, man. You know, like you get a, at a barbecue oh, place? Yes. Oh, that's, ah, dang. I can't believe, that's, it's so far you're doing well. Uh, my number two is Jen Ma or Georgia Russell, who is my director of ops. Chocolate chip cookies. Now, again, on the chocolate chip cookies, they can't have too many chocolate chips. That's yeah, important yeah. for me. You know, like yeah. the chocolate chunk, I don't like, but just regular chocolate chip cookies. A little side of ice cream, maybe a little, a little mode, a little warmed up. Yeah. Now you got something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three, hit it. Here we go. Creme boule. Oh, God. I knew one of these was coming. Some stupid First of all, frou-frou. You the can't even spell it. Okay? Uh, you're right. You can't I can't even it. say it. Let alone spell it. <laughs> It's so frou-frou. I can't take the frou-frou. Have you had it? I think I did once, but I, I was disgusted in myself to even try no, it because of the on. name. Because <laughs> of the name. It's awful. It's awful. Creme brulee. It's like a cafe. We'll get to most, that at some point. Most people who are listening to this right now are going, yeah, I like a nice creme brulee. Yeah, that stuff's pretty uh, good. No, no. All right. My number three, black raspberry ice cream. Ever had it? It's kind of a northern thing. They have it in upstate black New York. Black raspberry, raspberry ice cream. Perry's I'm makes sure. it. The, the company Perry's. You can't find it very often, but I'm telling you, you get a chance. Black raspberry ice cream. Fantastic. Best ice cream. All right. Yeah, okay. good. No All argument right. there. All right. Number two. Apple pie a la mode. Ah, weak. Week. I'm Week? Okay what are you it. talking about? <laughs> it's okay. Everybody it's very, loves apple again, pie with ice cream. You, like you like, got two good things. You got apple pie. You got ice cream. You put them together. You know, it's you, it, it's a hot apple pie. It melts the ice cream. I mean, it's it's a you're classic. Just so it is cliche. a classic. You're so cliche. Wait a second. Something you just original. got mad at me for saying something that you couldn't understand. Now you get mad at me for saying something. I, I like that's apple plain. pie. Like, I like one? ice cream, but uh, top five. I don't know. My number two comes yeah. with a story. Um, So when I moved to Texas, uh, I moved into Cedar Park, Texas, and there's this place there called Shakes, and it's sold frozen custard. And so when I moved in, I moved in like a month before my family arrived. They went to New York, so on and so forth. Moved in, and my buddy's like, hey, yeah, try that frozen custard place. I've never had frozen custard before in my life. So I went by, and I got a uh, like a milkshake, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable, and it's good for you, right? Frozen custard is good for you. So the next day I went there and had like uh, the concrete, it's called, the Heath Bar Concrete. And that's my number two, Heath Bar Concrete from Shakes. And I'm like, this is so good. So for like a week straight, I kept going to this place every night when I came back from work from, from down in Texas. And I called my wife finally like day five. I'm like, Jen, you're not going to believe this place. And at that point, I'm trying to sell it to her. You know, she hasn't lived there yet. I'm trying to say all the nice things. I'm like, this custard place is unbelievable. You're going to love it. And it's good for you. She's like, what are you talking about? It's good for you. I'm like, it's good for you. No, like yogurt. That's what I thought custard was. It was like yogurt. So I was convinced it was good for me. Then I come to find out it's worse than ice cream. So um, basically, you didn't even know what it was, okay? No, no. Um, and you're telling me that you're able to pick your desserts better than anybody else when you don't even know what custard is. Well, I know it is now. <laughs> and it is good. That is good. Bar, that is good. Frozen custard. That is two. good. Yep. Okay. And number right. one. I number got a zinger one. for my number one. Number one. New York style cheesecake. Oh, nope. Nope. Our what producer's nope? shaking his head. No. What kind? <laughs> like no good. What kind? It's no good. You, you have any kind, kind you like. 
No, cookies and cream. No, 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 Chris. Again, frou-frou with the frou-frou. I, I can't take it. Cheesecake. All right, let me hear you. The number hear one. Yours. All right, so my number one is from a place you and I both like, and actually you turned me on to it. Um, and the place is called Pluckers, and they have fried Twinkies. Oh, and they man, are that is phenomenal. so gross. <laughs> they are phenomenal. Absolutely so phenomenal. Gross, they actually have actually had fried Oreo, too. Oh, that it's is, fantastic. That is hey, gross. You're the one that told me to try it the one time we were there. It's great. I like it. I would nev- I've Twinkies. never eaten it. I've never had it. You haven't. You haven't, but I haven't. They're damn good. Oh, so, no. Fried Twinkies. Oh, I knew you would like it sauce. because it was fried. That's why. Yeah, that's it's why. a Twinkie. Who doesn't like a Twinkie? Especially, I will say this. If you don't fry them, put them in the refrigerator. Cold Twinkie. Very, very good. Very oh, good. Oh, Matt. Oh, so, <laughs> that one was disappointing. That one was disappointing. I think it's Twinkie. Jeez. Better than apple pie a la mode. That's so lame. If you, or cheesecake. Okay, that's going to have to be a, a, a Twitter poll. What's a better a better dessert? Okay, which yeah. one do you want to choose? Of all of mine, you could pick any one that you think is the worst. I, I, creme brulee. Creme brulee. Whatever the heck you say. Or yeah. a fried Twinkie. No, I guess pick one of mine. One of mine. No way. You got to pick one of mine. I can get to pick one of yours. Put it on. Put it on the poll. We'll put it yeah. up there. Uh, All right. Twitter handlers will take care of it. Yes, good. Love it. All right. Let's go. Uh unfortunately, very unfortunately, this will be the last Yankees update for the uh for the year. Yeah. Um so they have uh, a really it's exciting series with the race. Brian's race, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um and uh, game five was a, was a great game, uh, you know, filled with drama. Um, yeah. And uh, they got beat two to one. The race won the series and, you know, pitching held up, which I think most people thought the pitching wasn't going to hold up. But, you know, that lineup with all those guys who can hit the ball out of the park scored one run. Um, and it's hard to win, <laughs> hard to win when you score uh, one run. So, you know, it's been it's been hard the last three or four years. They can't get over the hump in the playoffs, and they can't quite get to the World Series. They can't get over that hump. They and 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 many times they're losing in the last game of the series. It was, you know to the Astros a couple of times uh, in Game Seven, and um, it's it's been difficult. And and it's put I think it's put Aaron Boone on the hot seat a little bit. You know, they made some questionable uh, pitching decisions, uh, especially in Game Two. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Boone, uh, but I know that there's Yankees Twitter is not real happy with him at this point. Well, I, I like Boone too, but let's let's just call it what it is, Chris. Two years underachieved, right? Last two years they've underachieved. They should have they should have made it to the World Series last year, and then this year you're in Game Five, biggest game, you know, do or die against really your arch enemy rival, whatever you want to call the Rays that have become with the Yankees, and you score one run. I mean, yeah. the players are there. The talent is there. I, I really believe that. And I, I'm with you. I like Boone. I, I do. But it, the results yeah. are the results. And, and I don't think that – I don't think it's it's working for whatever reason, unfortunately. Um, and it was really – that was a tough, tough game to watch as a Yankee fan, knowing what that lineup's like. You know, uh, I saw um, – I'm not sure if it was on Instagram or, or something like that uh, – a woman at the end of the game – um, and she gets on there and she says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take my 27 championships and go to sleep tonight. And when I wake up, I'm going to be damn glad that I'm not a Red Sox fan. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's that uh, podcast that we, you turned me on to with the, the Yankees? Uh, uh, we, Bronx Pinstripes. Bronx Pinstripes, yes. So they're a really good podcast if you're a Yankees fan. Um, but we we uh, we listen to them, liking them, and, and thinking, heck, if those two guys can sit around and, and, and chat, maybe we could too. So that's a good one, um, especially if you're a Yankees fan. They're, they go pretty in deep, and they're pretty interesting. So, all right, let's uh, let's go on. Barbecue recipe. In the what you spirit, got? What you got? In the spirit of dessert, the Power 5 dessert, I am going to uh, tell you how to make Bacon wrapped double stuffed Oreos. How good does that sound, Chris? I'm not sure on that one, Matt. <laughs> yeah. So it's bacon and I, Oreos. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. Believe it or not, it's good. So you need a little sweet rub on your bacon. So you take your bacon, um, you know, raw, a little sweet rub on it, 
and you wrap it in an Oreo, you put it, you get it. Now, listen, you can't do it on any grill. You're going to need a, a smoker, a, like a Traeger, a Rectech, something like that, because you're going to need to get a temperature somewhere around 180 degrees and keep it there. You know, I think probably the green egg could do it as well if you put the place that are in. But you wrap it, you put a little sweet rub on it, you wrap the the the, uh, the Oreo in the bacon, it will not melt. Um, and you, you don't leave it on very long, three or four minutes, the bacon will um, cook, cook crisp enough, sorry, Cook the bacon first, then wrap it, then put it back on the uh, on the grill. Three or four minutes, it's heaven. I'm telling you. All right, now, I'll try that. Let me let me, let me say this. I've not. <laughs> it would have made my top five. I've only seen pictures of it, but I'm doing it next weekend. So I haven't actually done it yet, but I've seen uh, it. It looks great. Man, go Matt, for that's it. disappointing. It's <laughs> disappointing that you're using this time to push something that you haven't done. Like, wait, it could uh, be crap. It, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. The reviews from my boys look fantastic. Okay. All my barbecue boys online look fantastic. All right. Fantastic. So, all right. All right, all right get us out of here. Up. Yes. So um, next week, the uh, guest, we're going to leave it as a secret. Secret Super. guest next week for everybody. Because we haven't lined anybody up yet. <laughs> I was there, Chris. Uh, but um, let's certainly thank the Cyber Guy, Darren Mott, our producer, did a great job. Tune into his podcast, Cyber, C-Y-B-U-R, Guy Podcast. You can learn everything about cybersecurity, cyber, uh, cyber stuff. Uh, go ahead and log on to that. Please download a Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, um, Oh, yes, go ahead. It is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, hence that podcast is very important. Oh, cybersecurity. Uh, there's a month for everything, isn't there? There really is. There really there's is. a month for everything. But Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Spotify, download us. Please give us five stars. Tell your friends. We want to get Kevin's download past Brian's. Please, for the love of God, we got to be Brian's downloads. So download, tell your friends, bring us on. Um, good luck to all the teams playing. We take on Auburn Tuesday night, 4 o'clock. You can watch that on SEC Network Plus. And um, Chris, I'll see you next week. All right, Maddie. Good luck. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at chris at collegesoccernation.com or matt at collegesoccernation.com. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and produced by Darren Mott. <laughs>